0: Welcome to TA1. I'm your host, Legendary Randy Erickson, and we're taking a short break from our 2016 World Championship coverage to talk about 2017. Uh, If you're hearing this, you probably have seen the uh, racer communication about the race, and... uh, might have a few questions that we answer. I talked with Mike Spiller from Rev Three Adventure Enablers. We talked a little bit about that during the uh, the episode. So, um, and we talk a little bit about what the course will be like and some interesting stuff. No secrets. I couldn't get them to divulge anything. So, uh, next week we'll be back to covering a little bit more of uh, this year's. World Championship and uh, that'll take us somewhere after the first of the year and then got some cool guests lined up and we might even have a uh, episode or two that's not adventure racing centric imagine that so let's just do this right not much else going on other than it's almost Christmas and uh, remember you could order your uh, legendary AR 2016 Adventure Race Picture Book. I'll put a link. And, uh, get ready for the Cameco Cowboy Tough next year. What else is there to look forward to? So, um, that's it. Go fast, take chances, and thanks for listening. This is Mike. Hey, Mike, this Randy. Hey, Randy, how you doing? Well, good. Figuring out the technical stuff. It's weird. I tried to, uh, Use Skype, and, you know. I had your number in there, and it would be busy, so I had to dial it manually. And here you are.
1: Technology. Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah. It, it, sometimes it's a blessing, and sometimes it's not.
1: Uh, yeah. And
2: uh, uh, I do have. I, I do. I can hear you loud and clear, which is good. So
0: yeah, <laughs> that's no, one
2: we, one step in the right direction for us.
0: It is. I, uh You know, it's like I tell people, I'm talking to somebody in Australia, and it's like you're in the next room. So. I'll take it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not in the next room. I'm a couple states away, but I can hear you loud and clear right now.
0: That's good. So, um, people are hearing this. They are been looking at the uh, what's come out for worlds. What do you got to say about it? Um, you know, we're really close. Uh, Mark and Margot
2: have been working on the um, our racer's guide to to make it look really nice. Uh, both mm-hmm. of them were over at worlds in australia uh to witness it firsthand uh compare it to what we're already doing with the uh, cameco cowboy tough race and uh you know we've been kind of planning this race for the last 5 years and uh i think we have a couple good courses laid out um all the details are coming through the permits have been submitted and now we just have to find out which lands they're going to allow us to use but uh on December 15th, which is in a few days, we're uh, releasing the racer's guide. And then on January 15th, we open up registration. Uh, we are limiting the field to 50 teams uh, because depending on the route that we take, some of the lands that we go across will give us – we have limited access. And 50 teams of four equals 200, and some of our permits are for 200 people, and they will not allow any more uh, than 50. Than the uh, 50 teams or the 200 people, uh, plus media and then the support crews and so forth, just in our different transition areas.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, if if those routes um, are not approved, we have two other routes uh, that we've been discussing, and we're also applying for permits in those regions as well. That allows us to expand uh, from the 50 teams. And the key for everybody to know is we, when we open up registration, we have 26 uh, open spots for the race, because 24 spots for the uh, AR World Championship is reserved for qualifying races. So we have 26 at-large spots, and people can sign up for those as of January 15th. And then um, once those spots fill up, we will create a wait list. And what happens is when another qualifier takes place, teams have uh, a certain amount of time to claim their spots. And when they, may, they don't claim their spot then we can open that up and bring somebody in off of the wait list. And also, uh, as the permits uh, are discussed in January and February, if an area that gave us a limited access um, uh, field uh, is rerouted through another area that gives us mm-hmm. more teams, then we're going to try to maybe push it up to 60 teams. But right now we're limiting it to 50 teams because the route that we've selected uh, goes through some um, – federal lands that we do have some limitation on how many people can be in um those areas at certain times but we're excited and uh, the racers guide the first draft is finished uh it's now just going through the final edits craig's uh reviewing it uh, we have our sponsors taking a look at it but it'll answer a whole bunch of questions and i'm sure during this call i'll probably answer a lot of those questions that uh you might have and after the call I'll send you a copy of the uh, racers guides so that
0: you can uh, you can see what we've created Sounds good. So, um, do previous uh, Cowboy Tough teams get a break? Or is it going to uh, be first come, first serve? Are they going to get um, a little extra oomph if they want to register?
2: They will. Um, we okay. said that from the beginning. And if they raced in a previous uh, Chemical Cowboy Tough, they will, they're allowed to sign up. Uh, 24 hours before um, the uh, the open registration on January 15th. So they'll have a special code that will allow them to get in, and actually it's going to be 48 hours. But if you run in a previous Cowboy Tough race, uh, you can get that code by contacting Margo at adventureenablers.com, and she will send you a code out, as well as anybody who raced in uh, the championship this year. So they're working with Craig uh, to get that email list and all those team captains will be notified uh, 48 hours in advance um, before public registration opens up uh, on the 15th. So, yes, they get 48 hours to claim their spot and 47 hours and 59 minutes, they better uh, sign up <laughs> because once it opens to the general public, we're fairly confident with the different inquiries that we're receiving. Um that it's going to fill up very fast, and then some of the teams that are um, that want to come and don't want to take a chance of not uh, qualifying in another World Qualifying Race uh, in 2017, they're going to be signing up in advance as well. And then if they do get a free spot, then we will refund their money. So we've re- received a lot of questions about, hey, you know, we think we have a good shot of qualifying at a race but we don't want to take a chance of not getting into this race. What should we do? Uh, and that's outlined in the racer's guide as well. But um, we will refund the money for the teams that qualify in a world qualifier leading up to Cowboy Tough if they've already registered. Yeah.
0: Good. Good. Good for you guys to do that. Um, so you said Margo at AdventureEnablers.com. So are we having a new website? Um, yes and no. If you type in
2: Rev3Adventure.com, it is the same site as Adventure Enablers. We're kind of going through a little bit of a rebranding with our company uh, over the next year. Uh, We've been producing our races under, you know, Rev3Adventure for the last several years. And uh, it really tied to when we were just producing adventure races. Mm -hmm. And now we're being contacted uh, by a lot of different communities about uh, producing different types of races, and sometimes those races could be a triathlon. It could be a a mountain bike race. It could be a a, a trail run. Uh, So we felt uh, we kind of had it as our tagline for the last two years. Uh, Mm -hmm. All our staff wore it on their shirts, and we were called Adventure Enablers. And uh, what we've decided to do is kind of we're still Rev3 Adventure, but we're evolving to the Adventure Enablers. So Rev3Adventure.com and adventureenablers.com all take you to the same website. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, Cowboy Tough has its own uh, website as well. That's cowboytoughwy.com, which uh, Mm -hmm. people can go to that site, and it'll take you to where you need to go for uh, registering. But that's some of the other news that uh, we're going to announce over the next uh, month. I think January 1st we're going to have a press release coming out about our uh, our name change. It's still the, the same people. Uh, It's just we're kind of evolving and rebranding who we are. So uh, people know that we produce more than just adventure races. But, of course, our passion always lies with adventure racing, but we can only produce so many of those races per year. So uh, we're constantly uh, working with different communities and states and counties on producing races uh, that work for them. And one of our largest clients is Cedar Fair Entertainment. We have a uh, six-race series in uh, it's a half-marathon series called the Run and Ride in six of their amusement parks. And, you know, when we pull up and say, hey, we're the Adventure, it really doesn't tie to us producing a half-marathon series uh, for them. So Adventure mm-hmm. Enablers uh, really ties to what we do today, and that is produce family fun uh, adventures. And this adventure is just a half-marathon, a 5K, a quarter marathon, a 10K – well, no, quarter marathon, 5K, and a one-mile event. Uh, similar to the Disney concept, except with our race, you're treated as a VIP for the day and embedded in your uh, entry to the race, you get a free ticket to the park. Um, so it's kind of a neat concept that we created with them. It's a matter of us sitting down at the table with their uh, management team and um, – letting them know what our company produces and then saying, how can we be a little bit different and unique? Uh, a lot of them like what's happening with the, the Disney uh, running series. And we looked at that series and said, you know, here's what we think would be cool. And we created a series where people uh, automatically get free entry to the park. They get uh, free parking for the day. They get early entrance to the park and then discounts in the park on the day they run the races. So uh, it was one of those things where we just sat down and the adventurer, and venture enablers came out in us and we created a, a kind of a unique concept for um Cedar Fair Entertainment. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> sounds fun. I mean it sounds like a great deal for runners and a little bread and butter for you guys, right?
2: Yeah, you know, it it um it allows us to uh produce enough races during a season for us to uh pay the bills. And mm-hmm. you know, this is our passion and we love adventure races, but you know, the challenge with adventure races is, um, it can be at the same exact park year after year, which would be an example of our EPIC, but every year the EPIC Adventure Race, the Shenandoah EPIC Race has changed. Uh, and this year it's 90% new. So sure. it takes us a lot of time and effort to really redesign a course, um, vent the course out, set the points, clear the points, and, uh, you know, challenge and support the athletes for those races. So our goal really is to produce, um, three large adventure race weekends per year. Uh, We have the Shenandoah Epic. uh, We have the Cowboy Tough. And this year we produced USARA Nationals uh, down in Augusta, Georgia. And uh, we'll be looking for a location for us to continue to host a fall adventure race weekend. It could remain in Georgia, but we've been contacted by uh, several other areas that really like the concept of hosting, you know, multiple events, events on the same weekend so that people can bring their family in some cases and race with them on Saturday, which would be our Tenderfoot race. And then on Sunday they race a uh, Strong race. And our Mm -hmm. format is a Tenderfoot is a two- to four-hour race. A Strong is a six- to ten-hour race, very basic navigation. If you can read a trail map, you can still participate in a Strong uh, race, Strong adventure race. And then we have our Epic race, which is 24 to 30 hours, and that one requires – uh, a lot more strategy, uh, navigation, and those types of things, and then our tough format would be anything that's three and a half days or longer. So uh, Wyoming has been a tough for the last uh, four years, and that's been a three and a half day race. And then this year it'll be a six and a half, almost seven day race uh, that we designed out in um, Wyoming for
0: the uh, AR World Championship. So, well, let's um, we might come back to the to your other races. Well, let me ask you this: how many how many races are you guys producing this year?
2: Uh, this year, I'm assuming you're talking about 2017, (laughs)
0: 2017.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say right now because we're still working on our schedule, but if you talk about how many races as a race management company we produce on any given year, we produce about 60 races. Um, and I think the most we've ever produced in a year was probably 85 races. And this past year it was probably Fifty six races uh, and and you might say to yourself, well, there's only 52 weekends in a, in a year. How can you guys produce that many races? In some cases, uh, the Shenandoah Epic uh, Adventure Race Weekend is four races in the same weekend. We have an Aqua bla- uh, a Tenderfoot, uh, a Strong, an Aqua Blaze, and the Epic Race. So that that weekend we have four races, our Run and Ride Series. Uh, those weekends are four races. And in the past, uh, the races in Wyoming, we typically produce anywhere from five to seven races. Mark focuses on the Cowboy Tough race, and then um, parallel to that race or leading into that race in some cases, I'm producing other races. So I'll do a couple of our glow runs. It might be an urban challenge, a strong an orienteering race, or tenderfoot race. So in Wyoming, in the past uh, several years when we've hosted events out there, We've hosted anywhere between five and seven other races while the Cowboy Tough uh, race was either going on or leading up to it. And because we've been in several different areas of Wyoming, those races have taken place in different uh, regions of the state. Uh, It might be in in Buffalo. There was an orienteering challenge. Um, And then in Casper last year, there was, of course, always several races based in the city of Casper. And then we've had mountain bike races at Glendo. We have our Tenderfoot race takes place at Kirk Gowdy State Park. Uh, we've had other races within Cheyenne as well. So any given weekend, we're producing multiple events uh, during our prime season, which is springtime and uh, fall. Uh, those are our busy seasons. In the summer, primarily uh, once June is over, we focus all our efforts on Cowboy Tough. Usually that's a six-week period of time that we have dedicated just to the races out there, and that's us driving across, getting our – infrastructure out there getting the courses set getting the courses clear but uh, typically the month of july was always dedicated to cowboy tough and then this year um the races will take place in august so uh july is still a setup month Uh, greg and mark will be actually going out to wyoming uh setting all the points in july that way when we come into the state of Wyoming in um, August, uh, I would say probably 80 to 90% of the course has been set. Some of the points that are in um, high traffic areas will wait until a few days before the race. We typically lock them, um, you know, in place, but even locking them in place, we've had uh, situations where somebody will trash one of the sensors and, and try to move a checkpoint or even call us and say, Hey, there's a point set here and as your your phone numbers on this uh, it's, an area that this point is not allowed to be and in many cases we might have to go back out there move the point or let them know that we have a permit uh to set that point there for the race and we were setting it up you know a few days before the race and our goal Mm -hmm. is to always break them down within a few days after the race
0: yeah seems like uh yeah it's a busy time the only time you sort of get to rest is during the race
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, Randy. Uh, last year, I, I, I thought we had some rest time. Um, yeah. it, we had a very long paddle section the first day, and mm-hmm. and you know, we probably have fifty to hundred people either volunteering or helping us manage the course. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, these guys are going to be on the water for you know eight hours uh, at least, and um, we'll have plenty of time. We have somebody at the first exit on the water for you know a, a historical challenge and then we had an urban challenge set up for another historical challenge uh, in another town along the way but um, as the race started out you know you get that first team that uh breaks a chain or gets the flat and uh we had a team last year turn around and go back into town to get parts so then yep. we have two canoes still sitting here and need to be launched and it's you know 16 miles into the race and we're two hours in and there's not a team at that <laughs> location or, uh, you know, going over a low water uh, dam or getting caught on, uh, on a piece of debris within the river being a strainer or uh, an old bridge that maybe has been taken down. And with the water level dropping, now there's obstructions in the water. So last year we had a team, you know, get caught on some debris in the water. And then, uh, you know, with the winds in Wyoming, we never know what's going to happen. Um, to some of those teams. And we had, you know, some water rescues uh, at two in the morning on the first day uh, last year, you know, everybody got off safe and sound, but you know, Mark and I are both up uh, at that point. Nobody's getting any sleep uh, because we're working with search and rescue. We're trying to locate the racers. And then when we get them off the water, we're getting them medical attention getting them warmed up. And, uh, and then of course, trying to find uh, the, the sunk uh, canoes or, or, um, (laughs) You know, equipment that they're using, um, and you know, it's 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 constantly monitoring the uh, course, making sure the racers are safe and sound, and and uh, they'll get spread out, you know, 50, 60 miles, and then uh, next year we anticipate there could be uh, 200 mile separation between the first place team and the last place team uh, yeah. on the on the third day. So it, they'll be very separated, which means we could have uh, four transition areas open and and. The, the last transition area might be open for four straight days so that the, you know the people working in that transition area are you know on 24/7 and and we need to fill in for them uh, to, to let them get sleep and so forth but at the same time we're clearing points uh, farther back on the course or you know closing up those transition areas uh, as well as uh, sweeping people from the course you know with a course this big um, you know we'll constantly be shuttling people around uh, somebody's going to get hurt or uh, they'll have a mechanical and somebody will be sick and they'll need to drop out of the race so a lot of coordination behind the scenes and we always think we're going to get sleep on that first day but uh, it has yet to happen
0: yep yep um, you know it's it's the uh, war plan every you have a perfect plan until the uh, first pedal stroke of the bike right
2: and uh, yeah, it all goes out right. the window That's right. That's right. And and like I said, this year we we thought we had it covered and, you know, Mark and I had a a period of time. Uh, One of us always wants to kind of be in transition um, when the racers are coming in. And we have some great staff that worked with us for, you know, um, four years in a row at Cowboy Tough. And these guys really know how we manage a race. And those will be the figures that will probably be managing managing some of our transition areas because they know how we run the race. Uh, yeah. They know how to get in touch with us. Uh, and Mark and myself can't be at all these different areas. We'd really like Mark to kind of focus on, um, you know, the 10,000-foot uh, race plan this year. So Mark will be out mm. on the course. But the goal is that he's really not assigned to anything. He's taking yeah. care of the problems behind the scenes where – uh, myself or Eric, um Conkannon or Greg Tenniel, key people on our staff, uh, Greg Pullum, uh, will be at, uh, main transition areas or out on the course, uh, taking care of the people that might need to be, um, shuttled back and forth. And then that way Mark can really focus on, um, the, the 10,000 foot view of the course from the first from the start of the race to the finish of the race to the first-place team, the last-place team, and then I'll probably be the next in line, maybe taking care of all the medical issues or uh, lost racers and those types of things. Uh, That allows Mark to, you know, take care of some of the bigger details with the race, and we do need him getting sleep. We all need to get some sleep because uh, we want to be on top of our game, Um, and make sure, one, we're producing a great race uh, for these uh, athletes. I mean, we've always had an international crowd for the Cowboy Tough, but because it's the World Championship, uh, it'll be uh, a lot bigger deal than what we've produced in the the past. I mean, there's going to be opening ceremonies, there'll be some events taking place uh, like an Urban Challenge in Casper before the race starts, letting these people see what the Wild West is like. Um, You know, of course, we're going to run it to uh, the, up to the details and the standards that Craig wants us to run it. And Mark mm-hmm. came back with a lot of great ideas, you know, from that first place team coming across the finish line and having a champagne there and then a hospitality area for them to sit and rest and eat food and wait for that next team to come in. And then as the next team mm-hmm. comes in, that team transitions out of that uh, waiting area. But, you know, that'll be staffed, of course, for four four days and, That'll be somebody you know taking care of food and, and uh, then shuttling people to buy food when they arrive for the race. You know, I mean, we're working with the whole city of Casper on you know pickups at the airport, then shuttling people uh, into town for uh, grocery store runs and then finding those unique things that make it worthwhile for somebody to come halfway around the world to visit Wyoming. It's the Wild West. it's the Cowboy state. Um, we want to highlight that. Of course, it'll be highlighted on the course. But what can we do before the race or after the race to allow these uh, racers, both domestic and international, to experience the Wild West? You know, mm-hmm. there's the racer's guide is going to have a lot of these things highlighted in it, because if you're driving to the state of Wyoming or you're flying into Denver, what can you visit on your way to the starting line? And uh, we're highlighting different state parks or national lands or different landmarks, historical landmarks within the states that racers can visit, as well as we Design that into the course as well, but when you're racing, it's it's a different mentality. Uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, if you know, in year one when they pulled those Mormon carts, uh, this is something that the the Mormons um, had to experience when they were um, migrating to the west from St. Louis. They were out of horses and oxen and donkeys to pull the wagons, so people actually used hand carts and walked. All the way to you know Salt Lake City, <laughs> yep. with a two wheeled heating cart, and we had racers in the first to pull it for five miles, and you know that was five miles, and they were tired in the race, and they had their gear in it. Imagine if you had everything you owned in that mm-hmm. cart and you were hauling that for a thousand miles <laughs> across the West to get your belongings out there to start your new life mm-hmm. and you know I think in some cases, people miss that history uh, historical element. They experienced okay pulling this handcart, but imagine the the suffering and the weather condition that these people had to endure to get out to the west and and open up their homesteads and so forth. Uh, you know we'll have some different challenges in the in the races again to highlight that history, but at the same time we want people to um, you know really enjoy Wyoming while they're there. So come in early and leave late. Of course, the twenty first there is a huge. Solar eclipse taking place in yeah. the city of Casper is right on the line of that eclipse, and that is the 21st uh, of August. And you know, we we actually moved our race up because there'll be the population of the state of Wyoming um, could triple uh, during the eclipse because people from all over really? the world are coming to witness that solar eclipse, and there wasn't hotel rooms available in the state of Wyoming uh, huh. for the 21st. So we moved our race up to make sure that we had rooms for our racers. And at the same time, in the racer's guide, here are some options for you. Camp. You know, stay in the state a little bit longer and be able to witness, you know, this solar eclipse that uh, is a total blackout of the sun for anywhere from, you know, three and a half to eight minutes, depending on on where you are in the state. But uh, that's another great event that's taking place. Of course, Cheyenne Frontier Days is the last week in July. Um, you know, it has, you know, huge country mu- music artists as well as, you know, the, um, the bull riding and the horseback riding, the barrel racing. It's the lar- largest rodeo in the world. Uh, so we, we've already had several racers tell us, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going into Frontier Days. I'm going to spend, you know, a week and a half in the state of Wyoming before I race and just go to, you know, Grand Teton, Yellowstone, Devil's Tower, uh, you know, Beataboo you know, all these different places within the state of Wyoming and and see some of those great national parks uh, before the race actually starts. So we've been very fortunate to have a great state to host this event in. And in the race format, we try to highlight, you know, the great wonders of the state uh, as well as the historical features. But in a race format, sometimes you go through it so quick because you're in race mode and you might be competing for, you know, uh, ranking points or prize money and miss some of those elements, but we're happy to see that so many people are asking questions on, you know, where should we stay, uh, what should we do if we come into the state early, and, and then our racer's guide actually highlights a lot of those tourist activities. You know, the Wyoming Tourism website is another fantastic place to visit to find out what you can do in Wyoming, and then, of course, each town, like Visit uh, visitcasper.com. It has all these activities that take place in Casper. It has a calendar of events and around our race we're going to be looking at some of those calendar events and hopefully shuttling our athletes to some of these events and i think the city of casper is actually going to host some type of event just for our athletes uh, so it's it's really exciting actually putting all this together and uh, it's been you know 4 years in the making and and we've really gotten to know the state in that period mm-hmm. of time uh, you know mark and i have been going out there for 6 years now you know the first uh two years just kind of exploring the state, seeing what we could put together and then working with the uh the people at the national parks and of course um the state parks, uh Dominic Bravo and his team and Governor Mead and just the resources they've opened up for us and the access they've given us for this the different races that we've hosted. That we've been on private lands that nobody else has ever been able to access just because, you know, they really wanted to highlight Wyoming as the adventure state and uh they helped us a great deal on getting some of the permits or private land access areas so that people can see, um, you know, some of the great features that Wyoming has to offer.
0: Yeah. Does it seem like it's been six years? I know I, uh, a few months ago was, I don't know, going through emails or something, and I found, like, the first one I sent to you guys, that was like five years ago, and it's just like, how can that be five years ago? <laughs> I mean, it certainly you know? doesn't seem like it, does it? It, it you know it really doesn't, um, especially during
2: our race season. Everything moves so quick, mm-hmm. and with this particular course, I mean we've been planning it since our first trip to Wyoming. Uh, it was kind of what we pitched to the state of Wyoming is we want to highlight many different regions in your state, kind of finish centrally um, for you know four straight years, and in the fifth year make it a longer format course. Try to touch base on some of those. Um, other uh, areas that we haven't been in in the same region. So, uh, you know, some people were concerned like, oh, you know, you're highlighting previous year's race courses. Well, you might cross a trail that was in the previous year's yeah. race course, but we might take you into a completely different mountain range. Your checkpoints are going to be different. There might be one historical features that's the same, but this course is by no means going to be um have several checkpoints from a previous year's uh, course. There might be a historical feature or a great feature that you're going to go by and see, but your route getting there is totally different and your route leading there would be totally different. Um, yeah. You know, we want to highlight those great areas and we've been planning this course for, um, you know, over six years uh, from our original concept. And, yeah. you know, for Mark and I, it, it, it's kind of a fun part of our job is being out there and exploring, uh, the land. And we stayed, uh, of course, after the race this year, like we do every year, we, we go out and we, we, we already have the map laid out and then we see, is it feasible, uh, how to get to point A to point B, how can we get to this life, this great historical feature or landmark, um, to the next one, you know, and that, that's the strategy, the course And then. With this year's course, there's a lot more strategy involved. Uh, you know, every course, of course, every point is mandatory this year. Mm-hmm. But um, we wanted to make sure that there's lots of strategies on getting from checkpoint two to checkpoint three. Uh, it's not just take this road to get there. Uh, we want to give teams uh, the option of taking different routes. Uh, we might make, mark something out of bounds because it yeah. could be on an Indian reservation, or it could be, uh, you know, of course, an interstate, or it could be private land. But the reason the permitting takes so long is because we want to utilize as much land as possible to give racers different route choices. And uh, people have been asking about that for years, and we wanted to make sure that we could – you know give them those different route choices you know last year we had a great course laid out and then we had some private land issues leading up the race so we actually had to you know double people back in a certain area yeah uh, and we, we weren't able to use one of the big O courses to make it a continuous race and that was because we might have to go through 20 different landowners when you leave the national forest land to get to a gravel road that we need to get you on and that gravel road actually could be owned by you know, eight different landowners. And until we get all eight of them to sign off, we can't use that road. And, you know, that, that's hap- that's actually happened to us every single year. And we just come up with lots of different options mm-hmm. to make sure that we can work around it. And then um, knowing, um, and, you know, the, the National Park Service is great to work with, but then they say, you know what, other people are applying for permits. Uh, yeah. You know, you guys are going into all these different national lands, and there might be some lands we can't give you access to. So what we've done is we sat down, and we, we came up with different options. And uh, like I said, right now we have three courses laid out, and um, some courses allow us to have more racers.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and we'll know more about that because they don't start reviewing our permits until January, but um, we wanted to open the race up uh, in January so that people know and can make travel plans and plan for the race. And then we envision then bringing uh, people in off the wait list uh, starting in you know February or March when we finalize more of the course and know which course that we're taking and if we're allowed more than 50 teams, we're going to open up for another 10 teams right off the bat right there that are on the wait list. And then of course the different uh, AR World qualifying races they could take place in April, May or June uh, or July leading up the race. We're holding spots, three spots for all those races and um, some people who uh, have won another qualifier could win the second one and and the or get second or third place it might not yeah. need their spot, it can pass down. But then again, somebody cannot um, maybe afford to come to the race or, yeah. or it has their plans in place. Then we get to open up more um, slots for the race. And, and yeah. by June, um, we know early, probably early June to late June, uh, it, it'll, our, our roster will be locked in. We might only have one or two teams that are on the wait list at that time for last minute, but they'll know, hey, guys were sold out. Um, there's still a possibility somebody could get hurt on one of these other teams. They might not get a substitute, but we'll probably have a, the roster really locked in um, in June, and that means everybody has a month to plan uh, all their details. Their training's probably in full, you know, already in full um, production at that time. But, you know, right off the bat, 26 teams are going to know January 16th, most likely, that they got in and they're guaranteed a, a spot. And then I, we both feel very comfortable for the next uh, 10 to 15 off the waiting list. Uh, we'll know, you know, within a few months that they'll be getting into the race as well.
0: So, like I said, once um, our permits yeah. we are, are done, we'll know who can get in
2: from that yeah. wait list.
0: Um, here's a little technical question. So can uh, teams transfer their entries if they need to? I mean, because I, I know oh, what a couple mean? of Godzone, well, a couple of like Moxie, ar out of ireland can't go to god zone so they just put out a thing that says anybody want our our entry are you gonna allow that or will it have to go back to like the wait list or is that a good um, question you haven't thought of
2: <laughs> yeah you know that's that's not a question that we we've thought of i know we've yeah. reserved so <laughs> many spots for international teams because a lot of them uh, can't make the commitment till a qualifying race yeah um so that'll be something that Mark and I can talk about. We'll come up with a, a, a solution. We want to yeah. be really fair and we want to, if somebody qualified, we want to make sure that everybody who qualified, uh, you know, is guaranteed a yeah. spot. Yeah. And, um, and then at the same time, we want to make sure that we do get a, a good international audience. Uh, so we're going to reserve uh, so many spots just for international teams. So mm-hmm. on that wait list, there'll be, um, both domestic and international National. teams. So, if it's an international slot that was that somebody didn't fill, we might go to the waitlist and give that spot to an international team. Um, but I don't know about the whole transfer uh, yeah. piece. What, like I said, Mark and I will talk about it. But yeah. let's say Godzone is guaranteed three entries. We want to make sure mm. it's three entries. Yeah. Uh, if they transfer it to somebody else that raced in Godzone, we probably. Uh, be okay
0: with something like that yeah yeah um but uh after this call yeah. i'll talk to mark and we'll come up with some kind of a solution. because <laughs> because because you know adventure racers no matter how much you think about it they they always come up with something you haven't thought about right yeah that's
2: why you don't ask some questions uh, in the pre-race meetings because there you go <laughs> um you can ask for forgiveness uh, and that was my strategy going into mm-hmm. a lot of races I mean, that was a lot about strategy yeah. and picking a route that nobody has thought of and, uh, that's, that's just the, uh, the nature of the beast with our audience.
0: Yeah. Okay. Here's another little technical question. Um, are you going to publish a race list right away? Cause a lot of races don't, And I, it's kind of, I mean, to me, it's, it's fun to see, okay, who got in, who's coming, who's going, who's waiting. So I, um, I
2: imagine that we, yeah, we're going to have a, a list produced, um, okay. right off the bat. And then we'll probably have who's on the wait list. Yeah. Um, we might not list the whole wait list, but we might uh, list the top 10. so that yeah. people Because people are going to want to know where they are in the queue. If mm-hmm. I'm number 23 in the queue, then my chances of getting in aren't very good. Uh, I might yeah. do another r- a race instead. Yeah. Um, or they, they might volunteer. So we have mm-hmm. a lot of domestic teams, uh, especially, that um, said, if I don't get in, I definitely want to come out and volunteer. Yeah. And so a lot of those teams, uh, we want them to know where they are on the wait list. And Mark was really good about it last year. Uh, we, I don't think we published the wait list, but he was in communication with everybody who was on the wait list because so some know. teams didn't even want to submit their name um, yeah. to the wait list. They're like, hey, if I'm number 10 and I'm not going to get in, I I don't want to do that. What yeah. we're doing this year is to be on the wait list, you, you pay a small deposit. Mm-hmm. And then when your slot comes up, then you pay the remaining balance if your slot oh, yeah. never comes up, then we reimburse you a hundred percent of your deposit.
0: Cool. Yeah. Um, volunteers, are you looking for more? Cause I can't tell you the number of people that have talked to me and like, I want to come help. And yeah. Like, um, Don't talk to you know, me. The,
2: <laughs> the more, the merrier uh, we okay. say sometimes. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, there'll be a limited number. We can't take a thousand volunteers. We've had, a. a big outreach from the international uh, market, uh, mm-hmm. people who volunteered at several AR World Championships want to continue volunteering. Okay. Uh, so we will have um, areas to sign up for volunteering. If we have an okay. open spot, then please sign up. Uh, okay. Once a slot, uh, a transition area might fill up, then there won't be any slots left. But if there's mm-hmm. slots open in our volunteer module, then okay. we're, we're, we're still looking for volunteers. That'll, okay. that'll happen So the first version will probably come out um, when we open registration but because we don't know the exact route there'll be other volunteer opportunities later in the year as well Um, because uh, we might have an extra transition area depending on where the route is or um, one transition area didn't work for you to volunteer because it uh you didn't have a way of getting there if you're driving maybe from idaho or, or salt lake city or something but then now because the route we're picking, there's another route uh, place that's very attractive to you, and there's openings in it, and you'll still have that opportunity. So, um, well, we're we're never going to say no to a volunteer,
0: okay.
2: uh, but we can't, of course, handle a thousand volunteers. Yeah, uh, Mark, Mark, and Margot will have that really laid out in our volunteer module where people can go and sign up. And of course, anybody with experience is our preferred volunteer because. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the, the more experience you have with either volunteering or racing, the better you are to uh, work with the racers and know what uh, the racers are experiencing out there. So yeah. we'll, we'll probably lean towards people that have experience either racing or volunteering um, at previous AR World events or some of our events because they know what, what's expected. Um the last thing we want is, you know, and we tell this to everybody in the pre-race briefing, is the only person that can say... Um, give you uh, a piece of advice that you know you can follow uh, and be in the race, 100% would be either Mark or myself. Now, everybody else is a volunteer. They don't know all the details of the course. And there's been times where I uh, have to wait and make sure uh, I'm telling somebody the right answer and clear it with Mark. Uh, Because he is the race director. He has the final um, say of, you know, uh, what we can tell a racer. And the last thing we want is... A volunteer, and it's happened in other races, and we tell our volunteers, don't don't tell anybody. If, yeah. You know, if the format coming in and somebody goes, oh, what number team am I? Uh, you're the fifth team to come in. Did the teams in front of me get all the points? Well, in this format, yes, okay? <laughs> but in previous years, sometimes they hadn't got all the points, and we don't want that information given out. So we'll be very um, clear to our volunteers uh, what information they're allowed to provide uh, to the racers and with this year's format it's great because um you know it's every point is mandatory so if you're the third team in to transition you can assume the two teams in front of you have cleared every point yeah. uh, now there'll be a point during the race after three and a half days where we start short coursing the team so you might see a team on day five that you haven't seen since day one and wonder why are they in front of me uh, and we'll be very clear there'll be some short course teams we want everybody to experience the race Especially mm-hmm. the final leg of the race and finish the race. Uh, we tried to do that in the past too, uh, where somebody was sick, we'd let them go out and come into the finish line with their team and, and so forth. I mean, they witnessed part of the race, and we want to continue that tradition where, you know, uh, teams still are allowed to, to finish the race. We might leapfrog yeah. them up towards the front, but then they're unofficial. They missed, you know, eight checkpoints along the way. Um, they're not officially in front of you, they might cross the finish line in front of you on day six but youth are still ranked in front of them and we'll be very clear about that um in the pre-race briefing uh, we're not short coursing anybody until you know three days into the race uh so nobody will be concerned about somebody being in front of them until day four uh and that would be a team that might have been shuttled uh, up to get in front of them and sometimes it could be a three-person team because somebody has dropped and there was an injury but they're racing unofficial at that point yeah,
0: well, maybe you do something like ITERA did and have a different bib or something, so they know that they're a short course team.
2: Yeah, uh, those, mm-hmm. are, those are those some details that we'll we'll still go yeah. over. And once again, it comes down to the route and where we're short coursing people, and um, we'll make it clear in the pre-race briefing um, where we're going to start short coursing pr- people from, and then we'll, where we'll be dropping them off.
0: Yeah. So, um, so what can you tell us about the course? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's unbelievable.
2: Okay, It's phenomenal. Okay. Uh, I can tell you that. Uh, it's going to be challenging. Um, it's Wyoming. It's yep. summertime and uh, it's going to be uh, warm in some areas and it'll be chilly in other areas. There could, you could see some snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guarantee you'll see some snow. Okay. Uh, you, it might not be on your course, but you're going to see some snow, so it's going to get chilly at points. Uh, you're going to have elevation changes of several thousand feet uh, during the race. And uh, it's you're going to see some great backcountry. I mean, the the animals that we see just exploring, uh, you know, Mark's uh, um, witnessed, you know, a mountain lion twice now. Uh, this year I came across a uh, a bear, um, huh. you know, on the trail when we were scouting the course. So these animals are out there. Uh, Mark and I have both come up on moose, on elk. Uh, you know, all kind of wild game. It's just uh, unbelievable. There'll be times on the course when you might feel like you're the only person in that section of Wyoming, and you will be the only person <laughs> in that section of Wyoming. You are going to be out there. Um, but at the same time, there's going to be a couple cities that you can go through, and, you know, if you want to stop for a hamburger at McDonald's, you're going to be able to. Uh, but then mm. those those areas might be few and far between. Because that's just the, the nature of the beast. That's how the course is set up. And um, you might go through a town at 2 in the morning when nothing's open. But it's, yeah. it's, um, we, we have been able to touch on previous year's courses. Um, so there will be some areas that uh, we've highlighted in previous years. But it could be a section of water that wasn't used in the previous year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be a totally, like I said, a totally different area of the course. It's not going to be the same checkpoint or the same trail. Um, you know, it's like, oh gosh, the guys who've been here for three, four straight years know this course. It, it's not going to be like that at all, but there yeah. are some landmarks that we'd like people to see, but then our way of getting them to those landmarks is very different than they've, um, they've witnessed in the past. Uh, we were um, trying to get uh, in the final course. There'll be uh both flat water canoeing, uh, there'll be some pack rafting. Right. There'll be some options for you to decide on, uh, do you want to trek or pack raft? Uh, there might be a second ropes course, um, oh. in the, in the, um, in the race. Once again, it comes mm-hmm. to our final permit. Yeah. Uh, we're hoping that the rope section makes the race course continuous. So it's just not a, you know, let's say uh, an ascent or a rappel, up and down yeah. type of thing. It's it's part of the course. And cool. we've been trying to do that for years. Uh, it, and once again, it comes to um, our final permit, but uh, the way we've designed it this year, it's it's part of the course. I mean, you, you have to go through this area, and the quickest way to go through it might be use, utilizing the ropes. And there might be a, a way of getting around it, but it's going to take you – Hours longer, you know, something like that, mm-hmm. or or at least an hour longer versus a, a five-minute uh, repel, you know. Um, yeah. So we'll have, um, of course, ropes, uh, two different types of um, of paddling. As you know, the format's different uh, this mm-hmm. year. Where in in the past you can go to an O course and not get all the points. Yeah. And uh, this year there could be, you know, long stretches in between your checkpoints, but you have yeah. lots of route options. So we could have a checkpoint on one side of a, a park and then on the exit side of the park, and in between you have 30 trails or stream options that you can take to get mm. to that next checkpoint, but miles and miles and miles in between. So the true navigators would really love it. Um, yeah, the, that's what the they like. Who's, yep, the people whose map skills or navigation skills are kind of strong, can see alternate routes that are on a trail, but somebody who is a very strong navigator can save a lot of time by going point to point. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to have stuff in our course like that this year that we haven't had in the past because the course is continuous. And yeah. like I said, you can make a choice of going miles out of your way or coming up with a better option. So, you know, Craig really helped us with that part piece of it and we've wanted to do that in the past, but at the same time, we wanted people to be able to experience a three-and-a-half-day race and feel like, hey, I'm not going to be stuck out here in the wilderness by myself and possibly get lost. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, and it'll be the same this year. You won't get lost. You just have to go out of your way to get, find a road or a, a trail that will get you to the next transition area. But, you know, a strong navigation team can, like I said, follow... Bushwhack or follow a stream and, and, and possibly get there faster. Uh, however, you know, it could be um, a windstorm came through and you have, you know, thousands of downed mm-hmm. trees that route that you thought was great might not mm-hmm. be as great. So, yeah. you know, Mark and Greg found that out last year when they were getting ready to set a point. Is oh, this point is only you know three miles, you know, bouldering getting up to it. But they were going across uh, an area where had been windswept and there were so many downed trees that it literally took them five hours to get to where they wanted to set that point. And at that time they said, you know what? On the map these teams will say, Oh, this is very doable and it'll only take us, you know, two hours to get there and when we set the course we realized it takes a lot longer because of the terrain. Yeah. Um so teams this year could get stuck in that situation. But these guys are all good enough navigators that they'll be able to get out of it. They can go, Okay, this is too hard, let's uh let's bushwhack down to a stream or let's bushwhack up to a trail and be able to make those decisions, you know, um, on the course. But that ties to the strategy and that, you know, somebody with an aggressive strategy could be too aggressive and somebody who was more conservative could then come up behind them because they picked a more conservative route that was actually faster for them.
0: That's so what makes it fun.
2: Of, yeah, lot lots of options uh, yeah. out there. And, um, you know, I think the pack rafting area is going to be a, a, another uh, – Area where you have lots of options. You know, you can either um, trek around something or pack raft around. And if the winds in Wyoming are blowing, you know, that that one mile pack raft section might be faster to run five miles (laughs) than to pack raft because the winds are blowing so strong that might blow you to um,
0: Montana, blow you back
2: to shore, and you can't, yeah, might blow you to Montana. Mm -hmm. Well, supposedly when it snows in Wyoming, it lands, uh, it might snow in Wyoming, but it lands in Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I think one of the good things. If everything goes as planned, um, the racers will have the winds to their back. Now,
1: yeah.
2: it, it's great to say that, but we've had some weird weather in Wyoming in, mm-hmm. in year one, an area that took Mark and I you know, seven hours on a bike. Our racers were hitting, even the slowest teams were hitting it in less than five because, and less, because of, there was a tailwind yeah. coming from, from east to west, where it's usually west to east. Yeah. And when we were sampling some of the biking, we were, you know, lucky to hit eight miles an hour and these teams were hitting twenty miles an hour with a tailwind after a, a rainstorm. Um so we, we wanna say you there there could be a tailwind this year, but then at the same time you never know what's gonna happen with the uh, the weather in Wyoming. Uh, yes. we know there'll be some extreme swings in, in temperature though. It can be um, upper desert region, so it could hit eighties, possibly ninety. During the day, um, but then at night you could be in in you know forty to thirty degree uh, temperature area. So, so big temperature there. swings. Yep, and uh, big altitude uh, swings. I mean, you there'll be you know could be uh, 4,000 feet of elevation uh, gain and loss in a particular section of the race course.
0: Well, it sounds fun. So, so
2: that yeah. that's what I can tell you. I can tell okay. you that. I can tell you there'll be. Lots of biking. Uh, biking is going to get mm-hmm. you from point A to point B. Um, yep. Part of the biking is going to be on mountain bike trails, which is nice. Of course, with any race, some of it's going to be uh, gravel and some of yeah. it will be paved as well. Uh, but there'll be biking section. But our goal on every biking section is to make sure that we break break it up. Uh, mm-hmm. We try not to have that huge uh, biking section that just kills everybody. You know, two hundred miles of biking, which happened yeah. to be in Primal Quest because the water with the flooding of the river rivers. So. You know, I got off my bike after biking 100 miles, and then next thing you need, need to do was bike around the river section, which was a long section, and then bike again. So it was just biking after biking. Yeah. So we try to break that out, uh, break it up with mm-hmm. O courses or a historical challenge or a paddle course. Um, but we we need to get you from point A to point B. So there, there will be biking. There will be a lot of trekking. Our trekking sections will be longer than what we've had in the past. Uh, and, and teams have been asking for that. And that Mm -hmm. has to do with our permits and uh, getting uh, the the permits approved. And Mm -hmm. uh, we feel confident that some of our tracking sections will be uh, longer than people have seen in the past, which makes it a lot more route choice options. So fun and exciting course. Um, A little bit later, uh, usually in July, and this year it's Mm -hmm. in August. Uh, So I wouldn't expect a lot of rain during that time of year. Uh, And like I said, it will be typically warmer, but then because of the altitude and the the route uh, choices that we're offering, there'll be some uh, temperature swings uh, for people, but we'll, we'll take care of those racers. And once again, host something that's, uh, it's truly remarkable out there. You, you've been out there enough. You've seen some of the stuff that we put on. And and I think you've seen us grow over the last five years from uh, our first year. We produced a great event, but I think each year we take some of the feedback that we receive from the racers, from the course. And we, um, try to add that back into the course to make it, uh, to better, make it better each year.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been a, yeah, you started good and have gotten better every year, so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this one. But I've got one personal question to finish up with. So, sure. What's, what's your favorite place you visited in Wyoming? Um, wow. <laughs>
2: I know you know. there's a lot it uh, not there yeah I mean I visited the Tetons twice so I really like the Tetons but I got to tell you my favorite place was probably the Bighorn Mountain um, it was just untouched landscape up there um, not a lot of uh, people where uh, Yellowstone and Grand Teton you're going to get a high traffic area but yeah. when you want to be really remote that uh, Bighorn region of the state uh, is, is phenomenal. Uh, I'm actually looking to go back there, uh, this year when I go out to the race course. Before I come home, I think I'm going, going to go back up to the Bighorns for a couple of days, um, and do some hiking and maybe some ATV in, in the back country up there. But I, I gotta say the Bighorns was probably my favorite region of the state. But mm-hmm. then there's probably 10 others that, if that's a, a 10, I probably have 10 other places I've visited that are, um, eights and, and in, um, in Nines, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Willow Creek Ranch uh, two years ago, just this huge rant, um, ranch that we had mm-hmm. um, some checkpoints on, a big oak course. You know, you, you see those plateaus in the old Western movies, and this was an area that had those big giant plateaus. You know, one plateau was so big that uh, the guy who owned the ranch used to land a Cessna up there. So that's, I mean, it's just, and we actually had a checkpoint up there. But there's this area that had these teepee rings, and there was 22 teepee rings. And those were the rocks that the Indians put around their teepees to hold them in Mm -hmm. place. And it was a little bit higher up on the the ridge line. And this is where they put their teepees when they hunted the buffaloes, and they followed the buffaloes. And the stories are told is the grasslands that we are looking at, there was over a million buffalo. It was just solid buffaloes as they migrated through there. And just to think, these teepee rings have been there for 400-plus years and they're still in place there in the prairies. The winds can blow, the rains can happen, and these rocks around where the teepees were set and then the fire pit in the middle of the teepees are still in place. It's just you can touch something that's been there forever and it was used when the landscape was totally different with all the buffalo. So it's just, you know, it's just there's these amazing areas within Wyoming and then seeing the wild horses when you're on the course. It's just it's great. It, you know, it, it, uh, I, I've seen wild horses, I think every single year as part of the courses, uh, um, that we've set up, uh, yeah. you know, we've seen Buffalo on the course. We've seen, you know, moose on the course. It's just, it's really that untouched area. I know Alaska is another region I would consider, you know, very untouched. Uh, but Wyoming in the continental United States really gives you those opportunities where, um, you can be places that 99.9% of the people who live in Wyoming don't even know where it is. And you're, you're trekking through and, and, you know, it's part of the history of the United States, of these settlers coming through these areas. It's just those things are just mind boggling to me. And that's what makes this race. So, uh, so unbelievable is one. It's just the, the grandness of Wyoming and what it has to offer. But for me, I, I love history so much. It's just the historical features that, that um, you get to witness during the race course. I think that's what really makes it unique.
0: Well, it's definitely a uh, unique race. You get a unique take on it. So it's going to be a good one. That's all I got to say. It will be. And I I know you're planning on coming back Uh, It would be the
2: same. I mean, this is five years in a row. I think we're working on with one of our sponsors, you know, everybody's been there five years in a row with a special award. And, you know, we know we're going to have 30, 40 racers that have just raced all five years. For us, that's just a badge of honor to see that these people have come back every year. Uh, you know, it could be, I think our numbers now might be over 50 people who brace four years in a row. Wow. So it's, it's it's great numbers uh, for us to see those people continue to come back and, and witness this. And we've already started talking with Cameco. You know, after this year, we're going to probably take a year off in Wyoming. Um, mm-hmm. Our plan is to go back and revisit uh, the previous year's courses. Uh, it's just take you a different route. So, you know, in 2018, we'll probably take a break, um, yeah. produce another AR World Qualifier someplace else in the United States, possibly on the East Coast. And then in 2019, uh, back in the South uh, Eastern region of, um, of Wyoming, hosting another AR World Qualifier in that region of the state, but a different course. Uh, like I said, Mark and I have explored so many different areas. We already know where we lay out uh, a different course and um, – mm. The permitting will be easier and so forth for us, but we will continue to go back to
0: Wyoming as long as they have us, allow us to come back. Sounds great. So, well, that means everybody better uh, start training and, you know what I say, go fast and take chances and uh, be prepared on the 15th to send your entry in. <laughs> yeah, East, Eastern Standard Time. Remember yes. that, everybody. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Randy. All right. Thanks for the conversation. We'll uh, talk to you later.
2: All right, bye now.
1: And you can tell them all that I'm a cow, boy. up my game and I'ma head out west for real women got me quit with scripts and fake breasts find a nest in the hills chill like